I'd like to to continue tonight in our teachings on the path on the Eucharist. So tonight it's participation in Jesus's Eucharistic life. And the focus tonight is the word participation is going deeper as a community in how to how do we get to the point to live a greater fullness of our vocation um, to participate with Jesus, through him, with him, and in him, in his Eucharistic life. So tonight we begin by going to number 50 in our path. The title of it, the teaching from the Lord, is Why I Chose to Remain on Earth in a Host. And the Lord says to us, why did I choose to remain on earth in a host? Then he answers it. He tells us, in this way, I am present to all for you to contemplate and to receive me as living bread. I remained with you to nourish your life with divine life to prepare you to strengthen you and to become one with you as you journey the path to eternal life in God I remain in this hidden and ordinary way so that your hidden and ordinary life can be transformed into divinity and thus participate here on earth in the unity and divine life of the most holy trinity the eucharist is the life of god that has the power to heal and to transform you from within in the smallness of the host is revealed the grandeur, majesty, and greatness of God. The Eucharist is the greatest miracle of God for humanity. The Eucharist reveals God's faithfulness to his people. The Eucharist reveals what each of you is called to become. And I highlighted the teaching some of the sentences I sent to you imagine as every day as we contemplate the life of Jesus in the Eucharist we are contemplating what each of us is called to become a living host and this goes in line with what our the Catholic Church teaches in the Catechism of the Catholic Church number 1368 the church teaches us the Eucharist is also the sacrifice of the church. The church, which is the body of Christ, participates in the offering of her head. With him, she herself is offered whole and entire. I mean, that's the path. We don't keep anything back we're called to offer ourselves entirely with christ 
she unites herself to his intercession with the Father for all men. In the Eucharist, the sacrifice of Christ becomes also the sacrifice of the members of his body. The lives of the faithful, their praise, sufferings, prayer, and work are united with those of Christ and with his total offering and so acquire a new value. And that's what we were speaking about the last time we, we taught, I was teaching you on the Eucharist, that when we enter our life into the life of Christ in his hidden life in the Eucharist, our life takes on a new value. It moves beyond time and space. And so today is July 13th. In that same section of our path on page 164 to 165 of the second uh, edition, it gives us some words that the angel of Fatima told the children. And I sent it to all of you, but I'm only going to read one sentence. You can read the rest. That really struck me when I read it today. The angel told the children of Fatima, above all, accept and bear with submission the sufferings sent you by our Lord. Now, as we speak about participating in Jesus's Eucharistic life, keep that one sentence in your heart. Accept and bear with submission the suffering sent you by our Lord. In the path, the teachings on the Eucharist is at the end of chapter 3, preparing to enter into the sacred heart of Jesus in chapter 4. Each of us has to travel a very important part of the path in order to prepare ourselves, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, to be able to participate in Jesus' Eucharistic life. Before we can enter a pure participation in the sacrifice of Jesus, we must come to know ourselves, our wounds, disorders, sin patterns, lies, distorted identity, hardness of heart. If we don't, our participation in the life of Christ in the Eucharist will also be a disordered participation, a participation as the wrong kind of victim, a, a participation that still is as enablers, people pleasers, codependent. Therefore, the path brings us to know our true identities in Christ and the mission he has given us. That's why I even feel the spirit moved me to focus so much for, for a while in our community on our identity and mission. And now he's really placing in my heart a deep focus on the Eucharist because one has to come before the other. As we come to know who we are, and our mission in life, we can enter a pure participation in the sacrifice of Christ as his hidden victims of love. 
Okay. So we move to the next teaching, number 51 on the Eucharist. The Lord tells us, trust and place all your confidence in the power of the hidden life being revealed to you now in my Eucharistic presence. I am the power of the hidden life. I want to possess you, each of you, with my hidden life, which is the Eucharist, transforming you into living host. Trust, place, the Lord says, place all your confidence, a total trust, a total confidence, a total abandonment. I am reading now a book named, called He Leadeth Me. An Extraordinary Testament of Faith. The book is written by Walter J. Sizek, Father Walter J. Sizek. It's about his life. A quick synopsis for you. The Lord has had me reading war books, so I encourage you also to read these books because we're a community of soldiers, of warriors. In this book, Father Walter only two years ordained, goes to Russia on mission with one other priest friend. They go hidden with refugees going to a work camp in Russia. And Father Walter, for years, beginning in the seminary, he's a Jesuit priest, had this deep desire the spirit placed in his heart to go on mission to Russia. And he has these expectations. They've been planning this mission. They know how dangerous it is, but they also have this expectation of great apostolic work, of serving these refugees, uh, being these priests in this most difficult place. So I'm gonna to read to you something that's really important tonight. I think a, a real life situation to show us how we enter participation in Jesus's Eucharistic life. Father Walter writes, we had entered upon what we thought was a great mission, missionary endeavor, full of zeal and enthusiasm, only to come smack up against reality. Things here were not at all as we had envisioned them. And we were not at all equipped to face things as we found them. So much for our hopes, our expectation, our dreams, our convictions, above all, our enthusiasm. The whole Russian venture seem now to have been a mistake, an ill-conceived missionary effort based on hopes and dreams rather than on hard facts, a plan born of insufficient information and misinformation. Both Father Walter and his other priest friend, Father Nestrov, begin to go through a real dilemma. They feel they made a mistake, that they didn't discern properly. 
and they begin to plan on how they can get out of Russia and get back to Poland. In this great suffering, in this great discouragement, the Lord begins to work powerfully. He goes on to write. That was the temptation that Father Nestrov and I faced. The, the workplace in Russia was called Teplaya Gora. And though our situation may have been somewhat unique, the temptation itself was not. Now listen carefully, my family, because this is applies to all of us. It is the same temptation faced by everyone who has followed a call and found that the realities of life were nothing like the expectations he had in the first flush of his vision and his enthusiasm. It is the temptation that comes to anyone, for example, who has entered relig religious life with a burning desire to serve God and him alone, only to find that the day-to-day -day life in religion is humdrum and pedestrian, equally as filled with moments of human misunderstanding, daily routines, and distractions as the secular life he left behind in the world. It is the same temptation faced by young couples in marriage when the honeymoon is over and they must face a seemingly endless future of living together and scratching out an existence in the same old place and the same old way. It is the temptation to say, this life is not what I thought it would be. This is not what I bargained for. It is not at all what I wanted either. If I had known it would be like this, I would never have made this choice. I would never have made this promise. You must forgive me, God, but I want to go back. You cannot hold me to a promise made in ignorance. You cannot expect me to keep a covenant based on faith without any previous knowledge of the true facts of life. It is not fair. I never thought it would be like this. I simply cannot stand it. And I will not stay. I will not serve. I would like all of you to ponder in your lives when you have felt this way also. And this happens in marriages all the time. I mean, when you hear a divorce, it's like, this wasn't what I expected. It happens in, to priests in religious life. This wasn't 
what I dreamt it would be like, what I thought. And it happens in community life too. Because many of us come into love crucified with certain expectations. We come and even if we say yes and we receive our cross, then we can come to maybe regret it. I didn't think it was going to be like this. I want out. I don't want this anymore. For me, too, the Lord has given me a mission, but it hasn't been the way I expected it either to be. And I've had to also undergo, you know, dying to certain expectations, ways of that I think things need to be, how I feel a missionary of the cross needs to be or a mother of the cross. So this applies to all of us. Now I'm going to go back to the second part of the teaching I was just speaking to you about, number 51. The second part of the teaching, the Lord says this to us. This transformation will take place, us becoming living host, as you live your hidden and interior life, united to my interior crucifixion, suffering all with me and in me. In this way, the power of the hidden force will intensify with the fire of the Holy Spirit. The Mass, the Eucharist, must be the center of our lives. And we must be willing to suffer whatever situation we find ourselves in with Christ. But the strength to do this comes from Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And this is what happens to Father Walter. At the moment he and the other priest feel like they this is not what they bargained for, all of these things that he writes about, and they're ready to throw in the towel. They have an experience with the Eucharist. These two priests sneak out into the forest to celebrate Mass. And this is what he says. Yet the Mass gave us strength. At the moment of consecration, God became present in a new way. He was there in answer to our petitions, where the sacrifice of Calvary had never been celebrated before. In that sacrament, we could offer up all our sacrifices with his. Look at how he comes to the teaching of the Eucharist that we have in this hard situation that God permits in his life. In this sacrament, we could offer up all our sacrifices with his, could ask his blessing on those for him for whom we labored and prayed in secret for those who themselves were perhaps praying in secret, but who couldn't worship him publicly. 
Those were my most consoling thoughts, my happiest moments in what had turned out to be almost a non-apostolate. The consolation of that sacrifice, that offering would stay with me as we returned home through the darkness and silence of the forest. And then one day together, it dawned on us. Now look at how beautiful what he says here. God granted us the grace to see the solution to our dilemma. I want all of you to think of what dilemmas are in your life. What difficulties, what challenges, what hardships are as God permitting in your life right now? It was the grace, quite simply, to look at our situation from his viewpoint rather than from ours. It was the grace not to judge our efforts by human standards or by what we ourselves wanted or expected to happen, but rather according to God's design. It was the grace to understand that our dilemma, our temptation, was of our own making and existed only in our minds. It did not and could not coincide with the real world ordained by God and governed ultimately by his will. This is so important because in the path, in chapter two, it speaks about veils being taken away from the eyes of our heart. And the Lord begins to teach us how to suffer everything with him moving the focus of our uh, of our the focus of our suffering from ourselves to him as long as we continue to suffer only self-absorbed and seeing things through our eyes and our reality we're stuck but the minute we receive the grace of god to see our situations through his eyes and his understanding, we enter transformation. The perfect example is today's first reading in Genesis, the story of Joseph. What happens to Joseph? Talk about wounds. Joseph is by his brothers, he's hurt. He's sold out. I mean, think about the wound of rejection, abandonment of your own brothers, of what they do to Joseph. Joseph ends up in another country, separated from his family, from the love of his father. And here comes today the words of Joseph. It tells us, in Genesis chapter 45, 
verses 4 to 8. Joseph says, come closer to me. He's speaking to his brothers. Joseph told his brothers when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for having sold me here. It was really for the sake of saving lives that God sent me here ahead of you. The famine has been in the land for two years now. And for five more years, cultivation will yield no harvest. God, therefore, sent me on ahead of you to ensure for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives in an extraordinary deliverance. So it was not really you, but God who had me come here. Joseph had to go through this process of transformation. Joseph had to deal with his wounds, with his anger, with his frustration, just like Father Walter and each of us, to find us in difficult situations. And he gets to the point where he's able to see his situation that God is permitting through the eyes of God and in his identity and mission becomes precisely in the suffering of that situation. Once Joseph sees it, he doesn't have resentment towards his brothers because he sees his mission and the will of God in that situation God permitted. I have a question for you this week. What sufferings and situations in my life have I not yet come to accept as God's will? What difficulties and hardships in my life have I not come to see through the eyes of God, but remain stuck in myself, focused in my own pain, not able to see outside of myself through the eyes of Christ crucified. In our path, in section 3C6, Living Host, it talks about the words of Venerable Archbishop Luis Maria Martinez. And it says, he observed that the sacrament of holy orders unites a priest to Jesus in such a way that at the moment of consecration, Jesus, in the priest changes the substance of bread and wine into himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. But that priest is not necessarily transformed into Christ. But now he says, 
but total transformation. And this is what the Lord wants from every mother and missionary of the cross. That's why we're here. Total transformation into living host required something more. It required that a human being, priest, religious, or lay, make the marvelous exchange of his independent human will for the divine will. By allowing the Holy Spirit to unite him to Jesus in all of his acts, then in every moment, we can offer the two victims united in one same. Father Walter had to get to the point where he could accept his situation, see it as the will of God, and now let go of his expectations and live that situation, the sufferings of that situation now, through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ. Each of us, Hector, as we see him in his paralysis, had to also go through this situation, accepting it. And just like Hector, each one of us, whether it be hardships at work, marital relationships with children, difficulties with children, illnesses, whether it be cancer, whether it be Lyme disease, um, whatever it may be, whatever situation, we must, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, see it as God's will. This is the only way we can enter participation, a pure participation, in the suffering and sacrifice of Christ to become one with his. I go on to the book. I read to you Father Walter, what he says. Our dilemma at Teplayagora in Russia came from our frustration at not being able to do what we thought the will of God ought to be in this situation. At our inability to work as we thought God would surely want us to work. Instead of accepting the situation itself as his will. It is a mistake easily made by every man, saint or scholar, church leader, or day laborer. All of us make the same mistake. And we have to come to recognize in our lives how we are living in that same way. It is a mistake. Ultimately, he says, we come to expect God to accept our understanding of what his will ought to be and to help us fulfill that instead of learning to see and accept his will in the real situations in which he places us daily. I'm going to read that sentence again. Learning to see through the eyes of Christ and accept his will 
in the real situations in which he places us daily. The simple soul, that should be each of us, we are the little ones of Christ, the simple soul who each day makes a morning offering of all the prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day, and who then acts upon it by accepting unquestionably and responding lovingly to all the situations of the day as truly sent by God, whether it be difficulties men at your work with difficult bosses, whether whatever your situation in life is, whether you do not have the partner you would like to have, whether you're not married, that situation is the will of God in your life now. Can we accept whether it means men, women coming home to a chaos of children, whether it be those of you that have adopted children and you had expectations that with all the love you gave them, these children would be loving and healed and all that comes down and you find yourself with children that are extremely difficult with serious problems and all the love you're giving them is not healing them. That situation is the will of God in your life. Can we see it through the eyes of God, just like Joseph, just like Father Walter? The plain, Father Walter says, the plain and simple truth is that his will is what he actually wills to send us each day in the way of circumstances, places, people, and problems. And I end by reminding you again why then the Lord told us in number 57 in the path, ponder every relationship. That means all the people in our lives and situations in your lives where you are not loving with me, through me, and in me, and ask yourselves, why is it so difficult to love this person or to love in these situations? And then the Lord says, it is precisely in those situations and with those persons where you need to be purified. It was precisely in Russia where Father Walter was going to become and does become the priest, one with Jesus Christ transformed as Christ wanted him. It is precisely. So we need to ask ourselves, have I accepted these difficult situations? Am I able to see them through the eyes of God and see that in this difficulty is God's plan? And this I end tonight with a beautiful 
um, I don't know what to call it, what Pope Francis just did, Father mentioned it in the rosary. Pope Francis, or the article we read um, from EWTN, and I'm just going to quote some things. But the, the name of the article is Pope Francis Creates New Path to Beatification Under Offering of Life. This is a confirmation from the Pope, from the church, that God is giving love crucified to show us that our entire spirituality, what God is doing with love crucified is the work of the God, the work of the Holy Spirit. We are, my family, the saints of this times in the church. It said, on Tuesday, Pope Francis declared a new category of Christian life suitable for consideration of beatification called offering of life, in which a person has died prematurely through an offering of their life for love of God and neighbor. In the apostolic letter, Pope Francis wrote, they are worthy of special consideration and honor those Christians who, following in the footsteps and teachings of the Lord Jesus, have voluntarily, and this book word is in our path, voluntarily and freely offered their lives for others and have preserved until death in this regard. That is a victim soul. That is what we tell you, the Lord, when we say yes to our covenant. We are offering our lives freely, voluntarily, for the salvation of our brothers and sisters. Imagine, this is a cause for beatification. The document is titled, I'll say it in English, Greater Love Than This. After the verse from the Gospel of John, which says, No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And the only way we're going to live this, to become saints, this is a confirmation of what our Blessed Mother has told us in Mexico and in Colombia, that we will, we will receive the crown of glory. That's the sainthood. We will die as saints, each and every one of us, if we persevere in wearing and receiving the crown of thorns on earth. If we receive every situation, what must be our prayer for our beloved Monica, for Jack, for Amy, for those we know that are suffering greatly? It isn't necessarily healing, of course healing if it is God's will, but for us as in our identity and mission, it must be to accept to abandon ourselves to this situation as God's will. And in this situation, I am living fully my identity as mother and missionary of the cross for the salvation 
of countless souls. This is participation in Jesus' Eucharistic life, my family. Ponder well this week this teaching.